Trivia Podcast Edition. With me this evening, we have James Jones, a.k.a. Krim. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is not our FN, so if you're expecting Johnny and the others, too bad. We already used Lords of Thunder, so... Oh. Them days are over. Lords of Thunder. Lords of Thunder. But uh, we do have a good lineup anyway, even if it does not consist of five Lords of Thunder songs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's enough songs in the game. There are. They all sound similar, though. Um, I use them all up in the background, though, probably. Now, keep in mind, if we ever do another uh, TYP short... Lords of Thunder is still valid. Awesome. (laughs) So, keep keep an eye out for that. Now I won't use it, because I just said I would. (laughs) (laughs) It's ruined now. It's ruined! Anyway, uh... If you haven't listened to this podcast before, too bad, but uh, you can always listen to others later. Basically, name the tune, figure out the game based on three songs. We also give you a little hint question halfway through so that you can uh, think about that too. Now, uh, Krim helped me with the last song other than that, or last game, pardon me. But other than that, uh, he doesn't know, so he'll be playing along. Woo! Yeah. have an idea on who the developer is. Interesting. Well, um, we'll see if you're right.
sounded a lot like the first song. I think so, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, don't tell us listeners what you think it is yet. I guess you could type it to me if you really wanted. But um, no, no, I'll sit it right. out. Um, here's a question: Which other games did this title interface with? Whoa. You uh, changed your guess at all? <laughs> nope. Really? So nope. what is it? Uh, it would be one of the two N64 Pokemon Stadium games. Yeah, this is the first one. I'll, I, I don't, maybe the second one has the same music. I have no idea. Um, this is Pokemon Stadium, the first one that came out in the U.S. I, now, did one come out in Japan before? Yes, but it only had like 60 monsters in it. Great. Yeah, so this was this is the first one that came out in America. Pokemon Stadium, and so uh, which other games is this title interfaced with? Uh, it interfaced with Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. That is correct. Correct, I tell you. Woohoo! So, uh, yeah, you could uh, transfer all of your, your uh, Pokemon onto the uh, big screen and, and see them in 3D, which was, I guess, kind of cool for all the Poke freaks out there. Um, I remember being really hyped up for it when it was on the cover of Game Informer, uh-huh. and just being like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Until you actually played it? Yeah, and then I played it, and I'm like, this is just like the game, but without any stat progression. <laughs> yeah, um, they really haven't come much further with the series, have they? <laughs> I think they've actually regressed a little bit, and at least used to have somewhat amusing mini-games in it. Well, now they have, what, drawn-out boring RPG elements? Yes. As opposed to the what you would expect, which is like a normal Pokemon game. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, I still think that they need to. They've been really neglecting this, the whole franchise. I mean, they really it's just sort of stagnated. It's not that it's yeah. bad, but I mean, they, by this point, they really should have you like 
voice commanding your own Pokemon, you know, some sort of online battle system. I'd buy that. Yeah, again. I think people who don't care at all about Pokemon would buy something like that if it were more like what they see in like the TV show or whatever. Or heck, if it was more yeah. like kind of what what you see a Pokemon trainer doing in Brawl. <laughs> yeah. Um, They'd almost have to move to real-time control then, though. Well, it would. I mean, it would be different, but I mean, it, it seems like the series is begging for something like that to be done to it. It's just Nintendo doesn't want to put forth the, the resources because they feel they'll get enough sales doing more of the same. And they will. And they will, so then you know, it'll never happen. But uh, that's a real, <laughs> it's a real shame. It really is. Um, so, let's see. Pokemon Stadium. You know, did, did it use emulation for for playing the Game Boy games on the screen? I, I don't even know the technology. I think they plan. must. I think they... Well, there was a reader, but all that attached to the base of yeah, your N64 that, that was a reader. controller. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a Game Boy. It didn't have any Game Boy parts to it. It was basically just a reader for the... Uh, chipset. So, I would assume it must have done some form of emulation. That's pretty interesting. I, I wonder if... I never played the game, so I wonder if there were, you know, minor emulation errors with it. Uh, there probably were. Because um, that was... That's pretty early for Nintendo to be dabbling with uh, emulators. I mean, well, at least in a production you know, game. Um, yeah, but there was the Super Game Boy, but I don't know if that was a fully functional Game Boy inside a cart or if it was just an emulator with a reader. Uh, I suspect they used at least some hardware. SNES would not be able to fully emulate uh, a Game Boy, I don't think. Yeah, it would be going a, a 16-bit system trying to emulate an 8-bit yeah, one. I think it's a bit like the Game Boy Player where they just have have it outputting to the, uh, to the to the internal processing for whatever scaling and smoothing, things like that. Um, yeah. I can't remember there being any problems with the gameplay, but there was some lag. Mm. Um, so like when things would move between things, it would actually be loading, which for someone who had basically done all his gaming on cartridges seemed abhorrent. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's doing a Game Boy game. Like, this shouldn't be that kind of loading. Um, although, you know, what was it, Rayman 3 for, for Game Boy Color, I think, had some load times, but um, it happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess you've played Pokemon Stadium. I haven't. Uh, I guess it was a neat idea, but when they didn't go anywhere from it, it's, you know, eh. I'm actually ashamed to admit that I played both of the N64 ones. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think the music, at least for some of them, are, is pretty good. I've, I've heard the soundtrack for this one and uh, Pokemon Coliseum, and they both have good soundtracks. Yeah, I was starting to wonder if this was the GameCube game, because I really didn't remember it being that good. Yeah. You know, but it's so it's so upbeat, whereas the GameCube games seem almost depressive. Well, then they try to almost go for like the angst feel for it, you know, like yeah. the dark Pokemon. The and... dark Pokemon. <laughs> so horrible. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I would say describe this as like they took Mario Mario Tennis and then put Pokemon music for the, instead in terms of like, the musical style, because a lot of the songs kind of have a, that same instrumentation and an upbeat feel. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, now that I know we're kind of off topic again, but with regards to emulation, it might have actually had the Pokemon games on the N64 cartridge. Oh, it probably did. I mean, because you could only play those three games on it. Right, it probably did, because otherwise it would be loading from from the cartridge, and I, something tells you yeah, they could do that. So, yeah, it was probably just a reprogrammed version of the game to run on that N64 frame, and yeah. they just loaded your data from it. So, probably it was full-fledged emulation. It probably was tweaked for the N64. Yeah. That that sounds more likely. 
But uh, if someone is an expert on this and, and knows more about it, you know, we got talk back. So feel free to, to tell us uh, the truth behind the Pokemon Stadium <laughs> Game Boy Color versions or Game Boy versions. Well, I guess they're Game Boy Color, right? Um, Pokemon Stadium Two was because that one that one was silver and gold. Oh, okay. No, I played silver and gold. They all blur together in my mind, though. Yeah. I played silver, not gold. I didn't play both of them, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so uh, let's go on to the next game. Jazzy is the wrong word. Peppy. Yeah, there you go. Do a barrel roll!
him use it. It's nice. Alright, alright. Which development team is behind this popular series? Hmm. thoughts on this I got nothing oh, I guess you're not that big of a uh, monster collector nut are you you played Pokemon Stadium but uh, I own two Pokemon Stadium games I mean uh, I, I guess you can't also own Dragon Warrior monsters then because that's what this Aww. game is um, any idea who, who's the developer behind the series that would be Enix no they're the publisher who's the developer oh I don't know. I'll give you a hint. Ninjas! Ninjas? Yeah. Alright, you're no, not gonna I... get it, are you? No. Alright, it's Tose. The, uh, the invisible developer team. Um, <laughs> the ninjas, the stealth guys. Tose. Wow. Yeah, this is probably their, their biggest hit. I mean, Dragon Warrior Monsters and the subsequent games. But, uh... Developed by Tosei. Uh, if you're not familiar with Tosei, they, they tend to uh, develop games kind of on the down low without uh, being announced to the world. Uh, a lot of times publishers like to pretend like they developed it internally, but uh, they've actually outsourced it to Tosei, and Tosei is very happy to, to oblige. Um, well, I was fooled. Yeah, well, I mean, the music actually was was composed and arranged apparently by, by the actual Dragon Quest dude. Or, is it a girl? I don't even know. Koichi Sugiyama. Someone's going to yell at me for not knowing that's a guy or a girl. Um, oh, boy. Probably a guy. But, um... The music's very orchestral, even for a Game Boy Color game. So, uh, it's interesting, because I'm not terribly familiar with the Dragon Quest series. I played Dragon, Dragon Warrior 1 and 2 on the Game Boy Color, then promptly lost it after I beat it. And then the next Dragon Warrior game I played was Dragon Quest VIII for the PlayStation 2, which is, of course, a very majestic soundtrack. Um, right. So I, I can kind of hear the similarities in this 8-bit game from, from this <laughs> gorgeous PS2 game. It's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, um, 
I don't know what to say about it. I guess it's, it's a monster collecting game, kind of inspired by my Pokemon, kind of being a Me Too, but since uh, Dragon Quest is so huge over in Japan, uh, this series is long-running. I mean, uh, Dragon Quest Jokers right. is uh, the latest in the series. Um, and it sold a billion copies in Japan. Yeah, so they're still not sick of it. Either the, either the, the, the Dragon Quest... Um, License or the formula of collecting lots of little monsters. So, what you gonna do? If it sells perfect gold. Yeah, and well, I don't mind if Tosei keeps turning it out because whatever them focus on that, then be tasked to develop the next Wario game or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, now you just asked for it. Yeah. Well, actually, they might do a better job than uh, than what was the I don't remember the name of the, of the really bad. Uh, oh, company remember. behind a Master of Disguise. But they did but, the, uh, they did Squeak Squad too, didn't they? I don't know if Tosei did Squeak Squad. It's quite possible. No, I think the Master of Disguise team did Squeak Squad. Oh, oh that's not surprising. At least if that's <laughs> true. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, to- Tosei can churn out a good product if they're given the right direction or given the leeway or whatever it takes. I, I don't really understand. They they kind of like to assume the flavor of whatever they're working with. So if they have the right direction, they can do a good job. Um, but, yeah. Whoever, whoever worked on that Wario game. <laughs> or Squeak Squad, for that matter. That was Squeak Squad was probably worse than the Wario game. The Wario game at least had some sort of honor. Um, it was amusing, at least. For a while, got old. Yeah. At least Squeak- didn't regress. Well, it did regress. How am I saying? It did. Alright, I'm going to bite my tongue because they're both bad <laughs> games. And I'm not going to try to place one above the other. Um, both very disappointing, and, and I want to see a new real Wario game, Nintendo. Please, please, please. They're not going to do it. They don't even have like a Wario Land music uh, in the soundtrack for Brawl, and uh, that just broke my heart. No, there was not. But a they managed. But they put. Um, oh. Put lots of WarioWare stuff in there. Well, they put music from Excite Truck in there. Yeah, and they got Mario Land in there, but they don't have Mar- Mario Land. So, uh. I equal sad. Not none of the music for Warrior is bad. I like the music they have in there for the most part. But, but uh, they couldn't have thrown in one song from a Warrior Land game, really, really. Uh. Uh. Anyway, Dragon Warrior Monsters, another game I never played, had no interest in playing, but like the music. So here we go. <laughs> If you're looking for another Game Boy Color monster collecting game. Right, because Game Boy Color is all the rage these days. Exactly.
Wow. <laughs> Why'd you say wow? It was, uh, that was upbeat. That blew the last game out of the water for upbeatness. <laughs> Use the boost! Question. Oh yes, I would like my question. Alright then. What infrequently used accessories does this game support? Accessories. guesses at all. I'm going to take a shot that it is gyro oh the NES game gyro something. I can't remember the whole name. Are, are you guessing Gyromite? Yes. No, Gyromite had much worse music. It had like two songs and, <laughs> and then everything else was beeps and boops. It was like a it was a lot like a launch title NES game. Okay, um, well then I, I would like to amend my guess to Rad Racer. <laughs> That's actually a much better guess. Uh, the answer is, I'll say the full name, Ivan Iron Man Stewart's Super Off-Road for the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> and uh, this was uh, actually submitted by a good friend of mine, Saber T. And uh, so, hello, if you're slaving over a uh, whatever soldering iron while you're listening to this. Um, and uh, it's a port of the uh, classic arcade game that at least one of the classic arcade games where you had three steering wheels racing and an overhead, like a static track with the cars going around on a dirt track. Right. And um, I remember like going to, I don't know, Knott's Berry Farm 
when I was young and playing that game after getting off the dinosaur ride. <laughs> Showing my age there. Um, I can say I remember playing this game, but that's not saying much because my local arcade still has it. <laughs> well, you know, it's a classic. It's, it's one I'd play if I saw it in an arcade, I'm sure. Um, the, it had a really loose wheel that you could just sort of spin forever. And uh, it was actually really hard to control the cars, you know. If, if you're not familiar with this game, what I could liken it to from a recent release is uh, Top Ride from Kirby Air Ride. Uh, in that you're, it's an overhead perspective, and you turn the wheel, and it's kind of relative to where your car is facing. So when you turn right, it may actually be going leftward on the screen. But yeah. it, it's relative to where your car is facing. So it requires you to think a certain way, and it's easy to get confused. And I, you know, I have to wonder if the whole steering wheel thing that's going to be really loose is going to be a little bit like what we see with Mario Kart on Wii. I'm a little worried about that, to be honest. I, I am too, but it looks like they're they're allowing for uh, any other controllers scheme you want. So yes. they're, they're kind of going the uh, Smash Bros. route, which I which I definitely approve of. Um, I'm not against using the steering wheel. It's going to definitely help for new players. But um, yeah, especially I, since it comes with. Yeah, but I'm really not going to rely on it too much. Oh, you know, I may wind up really thinking it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I'll try it out. Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, so this is a classic racer, and, and uh, I never played the NES version. I don't remember the, uh, the arcade game really having much music to it. But, but, I just uh, remember engine sounds. Yeah, but, you know, this was rare working on it, as I understand it, so... Oh, okay. They, they probably felt felt the need to insert their style of music. And, uh, bravo. So... Ivan Iron Man Stewart. So, isn't there a clone of this, or maybe something that's slightly different in name? Or because I know there's another I, game kind of like Super Off Road that was yeah. around the same time, but I can't think of yeah, it. Yes, Super, Super Off Road is the only one I could think of, and it's the only one I still see around. Okay. There probably were clones because you know there were a lot of clones of games back then. Yeah. Well, much worse than now. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause you could pump a clone out in a weekend. So anyway, uh, I, I didn't answer the, the, the question, which is uh, it uses the uh, four-score or uh, NES satellite to support up to four players, so it really is kind of the arcade-style action. In fact, the arcade only supports three, right? Yeah, the arcade supports three. Yeah. It's uh, red, yellow, and blue, I think, are the colors. Right. So, so the NES actually supports a fourth player, which is really neat. I I had forgotten the NES had a had the four player contraption. Yeah, I never thing. saw it in person. Um, I think I saw one in a Walmart back in like '94 in a clearance bin. Well, and I just remember thinking, no game would ever support that. Yeah, very few did, and I, I guess the wire one's wired, I think, and one's wireless. The wireless one used infrared, which which I only remember having bad experiences with when I played. <laughs> Well, was, I guess it was my friend Saturn that I exper- experienced the wonders of infrared control. Um, hmm. But, yeah. But, hey, you know, more power to Rare. You know, four-player on the NES. You know, ar- arcade conversion of the NES... Uh, uh, NES conversion of an arcade game that's probably better than the arcade game. Uh, yeah. Uh, well done. And, and good pick, uh, Saber T. And... Uh, if you have requests of your own, be sure to send them in via the uh, submission form, which is linked in uh, the news story. So, keep them coming.
It does sound familiar. It is. It sounds dangerous. Dangerous, you say. Well. Yes. According to a different game, who does the main character of this game, and I quote, fight for? That is all. Yes. Do you know what this exciting game is? I believe it's Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Indeed, for like GameCube. How have we not used this game before? Uh, we have uh, probably on the live edition. I'm pretty sure we have not on, ah. the, uh, on the podcast. Edition. So, uh, it's fair game. And uh, excitement! 
Yes. So yeah, a lot of songs I like from this game. Uh, this game had really good music. Yeah, some of it was more laid back. Um, some of it's a little more repetitive, I guess. But uh, I found it more interesting than Path of Radiance. Not to be er, sorry, Radiant Dawn, uh, which also had some good music. But I, I think that Path of Radiance, on average, has a better soundtrack. Um, and of course, the main character of, of both games, uh, less so arguably for, for the Wii sequel, is uh, Ike. Right. Uh, although he probably says who he fights for in, in Radiant Dawn as well, uh, I'm really looking for the quote from Brawl. And who, who does he fight for? I fight for my friends. Yes! I fight for my friends. Um, yeah, the voice acting in, in, in both Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn is, is atrocious. Um, oh, it's it's almost to the point of being comedy. It's, I think they have like two male voice actors for like all the all the characters in in Radiant Dawn because I swear they all sound exactly the same. I, and none of them actually fit the character how the character looks at all. I mean, well, that's good. I, I don't think that they got a picture of, of what the characters look like. I don't think the voice actors got like a, a description of whatever the motivation. I, I think they just were asked like, here, read some lines. This is an actiony actiony scene. <laughs> Go. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I found that using the Wii Remote speaker when you're selecting characters in Brawl, you can really annoy someone by just constantly selecting and unselecting Ike, and just having him keep saying, "I fight for my friends" over and over again. Oh, see, I have my my uh, remote turned off, so I wasn't even aware that's what he said when he selected him. I just hear that when I yeah. play with him sometimes. Um, yeah, when you select him, he goes, I fight for my friends. I swear I have completely forgotten that the speaker is a feature of the Wii. There is, I have not played a game yet that where I'm like, oh crap, I don't, I'm don't, i not using the speaker. You know, it's like... Oh, uh, it's, it's not very good anyway. Yeah, it's not very good. Well, that's really the reason why I turned it off. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's just I couldn't stand the sound of the speaker. So I turned it off and haven't turned it on since. Um, Johnny showed me, actually revealed when I was over playing with him, that yes, there are actually things that come out of the speaker. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, the first time I was like, what was that noise? And he's like, oh, that was my speaker. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you can see I'm really making good use of that with my weight. Yeah, well. And I like the idea behind it with the whole, you know, the bow and Zelda. And, and, yeah. You know, I mean, the only use that I saw was kind of neat was when Johnny showed me, and uh, um, I'm looking at the name of the game right now, but where he uses a cell phone. Um, oh, yeah. The, the stylistic cell shading game. Yeah. One that I can't think of right now because I'm being stupid. But, um, yeah, I just don't care about that speaker. No. One day, maybe it'll be useful for me. But, uh, Path of Radiance. Uh, I recommend Path of Radiance over Radiant Dawn. I got through, through Radiant Dawn over the course of a month or, or two. And, uh, See, I'm Marathon. I had Path of Radiance for like half a year and for whatever reason never got around to playing right. it and just marathoned it in like four days. That, that's usually what I try to do. Um, I think I probably did that more or less with Path of Radiance. But Radiant Dawn, I, I went and I just went on and on. It's a very long game. I mean, I I don't think I replayed nearly as frequently as I did with, with Path of Radiance. But uh, You mean it's long by a Fire Emblem standard? I think it's long by a Fire Emblem standard. Those are they're, long they are long, games. and I play where if I mess up, I tend to to restart. And yeah. Honestly, Path of Radiance kind of almost encourages you to do that because the save feature in Radiant, or sorry, Radiant Dawn does because Radiant Dawn allows you to re- actually restore from a save point. Uh, like yeah. mid mission. Oh. Yeah, that helps, but it's still 
you kind of need it. It gets pretty pretty mean, even on... Uh, I don't remember if I was playing on normal or hard my first time through. <clears throat> I certainly wasn't playing on easy. Yeah, I was playing on normal because you couldn't choose hard. Um, and it was pretty hard for me. I'm not very good at those games, but some of the missions are kind of long. And, I mean, be smart when you save because you can't... You overwrite the last save, so if you save too far down the line and you've already screwed yourself up, you'll have to replay it all over again still. Um, but ah. it's, I like that change. At first I thought it would make the game a lot easier, but I still was struggling. So um, Yeah, because some of the late missions in Path of Radiance are just brutally hard, and they're really Yeah, well, long. I mean, it's the same way in Radiant Dawn. The problem is Radiant Dawn kind of feels like it drags on after a while. There are a couple of missions where it feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again um, in terms of defense or scaling. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the campaign could have been short. But it gets interesting near the end, and I like the beginning, definitely. But there's some stuff in the middle or later in the game on, like, part four. It's, it's, it's interesting, because they, they divide into four parts. And uh, you play as a different team, more or less, with each with each chapter or each saga. Well, the GBA games Yeah, sort it's like the GBA that. games have two. This one has four. And uh, it's neat how they, they all come together. But uh, it, uh, it drags on. Don't expect to beat it right away, and I, I can see some people getting turned off from it too. It's it's pretty redundant with the previous game, so. Um, but yeah, there we go. Uh, Path of Radiance, featuring Ike. I like Ike. Yes. Uh, at least the brawl. Who doesn't like Ike? <laughs> and he fights for his friends. So what's not to like? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I fight for my friends. Well, he's jumping. What? His jumping stuff. Oh, like, yeah, his up B's weird. Yeah. 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 But uh, Aether is what he did but, in the game, too, so. It's creepy. Hmm. 
All right. Uh, hopefully, I got this question correctly, which which uh, James here provided. The world on which this game takes place has the same name as another game from the same developer. What is that name? Yep, that's right. There we have it, folks. Yes. Game, game five, song three. The uh, game is Super Turrican. Ah, Super Turrican, the, with a combination of creepy and very upbeat music. Yes. It's uh, uh quite strange, actually. Well, I remember uh, the second song, which I guess is kind of upbeat. Um, that was played on the on the level I watched Johnny. Uh, curse at when I was over um, because it was this stage where it's really complex it's basically like a maze like level with, with these like pipes or something where no I guess there were pipes there were like holes where fire would shoot out everywhere and it was just cruel and uh, I, I think you must have lost like seven or I don't know maybe not seven lives but it seemed like it uh, on there so he finally beat it and then like he had two lives left and he probably lost them on the next level so, of course. Uh, so this game seems pretty hard. Uh, I'm not sure I want it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's pretty brutal in some places, which is appropriate because it is a Factor Five title. Right, right. And sometimes they seem to enjoy making their games unnecessarily hard. Well, um, so what, what's the name of the world? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it's Catechus. There we go. And that's the name of a game? Yes, that's the name of, a, I believe it's an Amiga title that Factor 5 developed. Wow. wow. Back in the 80s. So what was the music like back in the 80s for them? 
I'm sure it was beeps and boops. Oh, fair enough. But, uh, I don't know, did you own the game, or...? or... I've played it on the VC. It's it's a horizontal shooter. Right. It's on, it's on foot, so there's a little bit of platforming in there, I guess. Right, so it's like Contra, but uh, I always found Contra to be hard. Some people disagree with me. Oh, no, Contra's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not it's good not, at that style of game. It's not Contra it brutal. I'm sorry? It's not Contra brutal, but then what is? Okay, well... Uh, there are plenty of things bit, that are brutal. I mean, Ninja Gaiden is. Yeah, well... <laughs> it's a little bit more platform-oriented than Contra, at least in my opinion. Right, which is why Johnny kept dying due to these fire, yes. fire jets that kept shooting out. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've heard some, some people say it's got a little Metro, Metroid influence in there. I'm not sure about that, but... I don't know. Maybe in the yeah, level design. I don't know. I, I maybe in level design. Um, but I, I don't know what to say. It's it's a Factor 5. It's on Virtual Console. Uh, it has how many stages? Four? Or, or are there three sub-stages? Stage? I think it's four. There's a lot of music for four stages. I must be divided up. Um, yeah. And uh, if you like a challenge, you like hey, getting hey. getting burnt to a crisp and then having to start all over because you lost all your lives and, and there's no continue from where you where you lost all your lives from. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Or if you just want a shooter that's not on the TG16. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. It, I don't know, most of the TG-16 shooters aren't kind of that style, right? They're, no. they're mostly the, Although, the aerial shooters. Um, there are exceptions, of course, but... Um, Although I think there might have actually been a Turrican game on the TG-16, but I'm not positive of that. Well, it, only time will tell. It's actually a pretty long-running series. So, who bought it? Was it, like, big in Europe? I think it's just dead. Or, or who, who was the primary publisher? No, no, I no, I mean, was... I mean, like, who bought it back in the day? Probably Europe and North America, but I seem to think it had a Japanese publisher. It did. Uh, I think it was released in Japan. Yeah, but it just doesn't strike me as a very Japanese-friendly game. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know who would have been the primary... I guess it would have to be Western markets. I mean... Alright, I, I really had never heard of the game until people started talking about it in regards to a virtual console, but uh, I certainly wasn't tracking the Turrican scene kid, so... Yeah, it had... It, I believe it had three different publishers. One in Europe, one in the U.S., and one in Japan. Wow. Well, that explains so, why Factor 5 probably had sole rights, or was able to get sole rights to it. I mean, yeah. A different publisher in every region usually suggests that the developer has the rights. Um, yeah. Anywho! That's Just noteworthy for having really inappropriate music for levels where you're, like, walking on skulls. <laughs> I didn't find it to be too terribly inappropriate, but I only saw one and a half stages. So, I may have not seen the most atrocious uh, uh, stage song pair-ups. Yeah, it's just really upbeat. Well, not all the songs are upbeat. Well, there are some really upbeat songs on it. Well, you know what? You know, this entire... Uh, with the exception <laughs> maybe of Fire Emblem... No, not really. They're all pretty upbeat. Uh, this is the upbeat games. radio the trivia. Upbeat radio trivia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good night, everyone. Thanks for co-hosting, Krim. Be sure to send in your uh, game requests. And uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was fun. What? No, it wasn't. No. Oh, <laughs> hurt me.
hurts. Pokemon Stadium is copyright 1995-2000 Nintendo Creatures Game Freak. Dragon Warrior Monsters is copyright 2000 Armor Project Bird Studio NX. Ivan Iron Man Stewart Super Off-Road is copyright 1989 Leyland Corp. Fire Emblem Path of Radiance is copyright 2005 Nintendo Intelligent Systems. Super Turrican is copyright 1993 Factor 5. Uh-oh. I'm turning into Uh-oh, you! I'll have to edit it out. I'll have to edit it out. No! Or will I? Uh-oh. No, I will. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Or will I? I don't know. <laughs>